For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's going to be one of those days we are going to have some fun. I mm. say we again because I'm over here. Hi. Lou's over there. Hi there. And I waved at the microphone. I kid you not. Yep, yeah. I'm it's sure, going to be one of those days. I'm sure people would <laughs> they, appreciate they that. They appreciate the politeness, yeah. right? Yep. Well, I'm here to tell you that your authority will always be the one in charge. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. I mean... <laughs> I I strive your, to point out the blindingly obvious. Your do, authority. Do you know why? Because the world has lost concept of what should be blindingly obvious. Yeah, I think so. Like the founding documents of our country, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Mm -hmm. um, actually, there is no self-evident truth, so you're just a white racist bigot. Go home. I mean, I think that would be the response. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the more I, I, I see conversations based on what people think of themselves, what they will say of themselves, and it may not always be grounded in reality. Well, and this is part of the issue. It's like, I need to have, I need a new button. I just thought of a new button we need. All right. I need my Fraser Crane button. Because there's a line from the TV show where uh, Fraser Crane goes, what color is the sky in your world? Oh, yeah. And that needs to be a button because that's right. what seemingly is going on. I remember on. that one. I think someone now, else uses that too, but... I have that as a ringtone on my phone. Yeah. For someone who shall remain nameless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh uh. Not gonna do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be. So, all right. Where are we? We are in Galatians 1. I just read you the stuff immediately after the important thing we want to talk about today. That's my new habit. I'm just having fun with that. Mm -hmm. But it does go to show where Paul gets his authority from. That's right. how he starts off his letter. He's an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul's message is a message of the gospel according to what God has laid down. He is going out on the authority, not of men, but of God. Right. So that's key. So let's start in verse 6 because this will be fun. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. See, hmm. Paul's shocked and appalled. Mm -hmm. He'd fit right in in 2022. I'm shocked and appalled. Mm -hmm. so, shock and awe. Yes, no, 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 shock and appalled. Oh. <laughs> Paul is shock and appalled. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be one of those days. Mm -hmm. Why is he amazed? Because, well, let's stop and think about this. He has preached a gospel of grace accessed through faith in mm -hmm. the work of God. That is not of work so that no one may boast. Right. And now people are trying to add a worldly working component to that gospel. And he's looking at them going, you thought this was better? Mm -hmm. Like you thought this was an upgrade? Right. What? Again, my RC Sproul button. What is wrong with you people? Right. That, that is, oh, I hit the tables, right? That is not an upgrade. That does not help. That does not make any sense. Therefore, for those of you that know the truth and have wandered away from it, it's like, Paul's yeah. just looking at you like, this This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, Paul was talking to people that didn't have a proper context of Scripture yet. They were baby Christians. They, did, they didn't understand. And here they had these other folks coming in who did, but they had their own ulterior motives. And, but to Paul's point, though, common sense should dictate mm -hmm. you're adding to the simple, pure gospel. Mm -hmm. That can't be an improvement. You're adding that can't be right. Right. So right. That's, that's part of it, yep. which is really not another 
Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. See, this is part of the thing. So you've left the true gospel mm -hmm. for a different gospel, but there isn't a different gospel. Therefore, you have left the truth in favor of a lie. Make sense? Absolutely. We've got to make sure we hit the buttons before 17 things go off on us. <laughs> I started leaving mine in my office. <laughs> yeah, I'm on call. When they... Oh, fun, fun, fun. Yeah. It is what it is. So this is going to be important for what we're going to discuss later on. And this also leads you to your authority. If you're abandoning the gospel, you are abandoning the, the foundation and reality that is the truth of God. Therefore, to whatever it is you are going is neither of those things. It is neither real, it is not helpful, it is not true, it is some falsehood. It is coming from the father of lies, it is a rejection of the history of God's work, and it provides you with nothing. Now, that's the obvious part. The subtle part that's going to be important for us later on, because we're going we're gonna to talk numbers, I'm warning you now, but we're going to talk numbers. Later on, though, this is going to become important because the subtle aspect of this is once you've abandoned that truth, what basis do you have to rightly evaluate everything else in the world? Well, you don't have any basis. I mean, you've stepped off of the foundational stone, which is Christ, and you're in the, in the sand now. And once that happens, yeah. now the difficulties of the world, the hard questions that you weren't anticipating. Because remember, okay, side tangent. We'll come back to this. Side tangent real fast. All right. Christianity requires you to use your noodle. All right. It requires you. To whatever level your noodle is capable, you're okay. required to utilize it. Very low bar for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. We're, you're at least to the second round here. <laughs> the reason I point that out is because your Bible does not give you a, when this happens, do this. So when A happens, do B. When C happens, do D. When 2-9 happens, you know, you don't get that. What you get is a revelatory history of God's working hmm. and an explanation and fulfillment of that in Christ. You are then empowered by God through the Holy Spirit to take the knowledge of who God is and what he has done and look at the world around you and think through, aided and guided by the Holy Spirit, how do you honor God in this place? Right, now, and that comes from a right reading of Scripture, not yes. cherry-picking. I mean, that Which is, is also so part important. of the spirit-guided process. Right. Now, the reason that becomes important is because if you do not have the true gospel, you do not have the Holy Spirit guidance, you do not have the ability to rightly use your noodle, you are just swinging wet pasta at people randomly. We will call the authorities if you start doing that in Walmart, okay? We have rules. That's not allowed. You don't get to try to beat people with a rigatoni. Yeah, Walmart is the place to be. <laughs> Although, if you're going to beat someone with a rigatoni, that's the place. Walmart right? is where you should do that. Yeah, they got they got aisles of it. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm just thinking like that's not appropriate at like a Publix or a Meyer. But yeah. if you're like if I told you a man cooked pasta, took it to Walmart and started assaulting customers with it. You're like that's a Walmart. That happened at a Walmart. Had to be. Like, that didn't happen at a nice grocery store. That that didn't happen at a Target, okay? We know it didn't happen at Target. It happened, Target. Yes, it did not happen at the, at the grand old Target. It happened at the Wally Land. <laughs> Wally World, huh? <laughs> yes, that's, you know that's where that happened. So you're not allowed to do that. So this is, this is to Paul's point. This is why this matters. It's not just 
the initiatory work of Christianity. It's everything that flows after it. This is why you see people when they go astray and you start talking to them or trying to explain to them and you're like, I feel like I'm running into the brick wall here and I feel like I'm making sense and I'm pointing to scripture and they're just looking at me like, huh? It's like the zombies, brains, heresy. There's just, there's no there there. This is why. Because they've abandoned the foundation, because they have not repented and trusted in Christ rightly, they have no basis upon which they can evaluate. They have nothing. Mm -hmm. there's, there's just nothing. They are as lost as any other pagan in the world. It may not look as bad as the rest of the pagans in the world, but they're still just as lost. They can't. To quote the modern American philosophy, I can't even. They can't even. Mm. They need to start from scratch. You need to go back to number one with the gospel, and you need to then build back rightly. We're not building back better here today. <laughs> oh, all right. See what I did there? Yes. Okay. Now, to Paul's, get back to Paul here. Back off, we're off the on, we're back off the high, we're back on the highway, we're off the side road. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed, anathema. He is to be cast to hell, lost for eternity. Why? Go back to the bookends. Hmm. Paul, an apostle, because of who? Because of God. Yeah. If Paul then changes the message that he's preaching, does God change his mind? No, is God double-minded and unstable in all of his ways? Definitely not. No. He's not a Therefore, man. if Paul was commissioned by God and has decided to change the message, he is no longer operating in accordance with God. He has abandoned the truth. Let him be damned. Right. Likewise, if Paul decides that he is still going to follow his work as an apostle, but he's going to tinker with the message because he likes this message better, he is not following the commissioning that God has laid down. He is not following the instructions that have been given. He has gone astray. He has rejected the truth. Let him be damned. This matters. This is his point. Doesn't matter if, say, let's go. You, know, you want to have fun with history? Uh oh, here we Doesn't go. Doesn't matter if, say, you claim to have, you know, seen an angel in a cave, oh. or if an angel has descended from heaven and given you gold plates to oh, translate. Oh, Moroni, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Doesn't matter if either of those two things are case. Doesn't matter if you saw a vision in the night that told you to form a publishing house and make stuff up. That's your JWs, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, um, doesn't matter if you think you've gotten visions during your ecstatic state and you now know when Jesus is coming back that's Seventh-day Adventism oh, really? doesn't matter what you think you saw yeah, if yeah. it doesn't comport with the gospel as handed down by Peter John, Paul, Andrew, Philip and the rest of the gang then it doesn't comport with what Christ taught it is a deviation from the truth of God going all the way back to the garden let them be damned this is the point. You can't decide, well, I prefer this gospel message. I prefer that teaching prophet. I, I don't care what you prefer. Is it in accordance with the truth? Because once again, this is going to become very, very important in a few minutes. If you reject the truth, if you stand on the shifting sand, then your evaluating process moving forward is going to be broken. Mm. And it will lead you looking at things going, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? And you're going to see what that looks like in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the problems that we see with people who who have doctrines that are on the sand, if you will, the shifting sand, is that they all think that they've had a revelatory mm -hmm. uh, revelation from an angel or from God themselves. So mm -hmm. they, they speak with such authority, but <laughs> their doctrines are twisted. They have a form of godliness, but have denied its power. Right. 
As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Doesn't matter if it's me. Doesn't matter if it's an angel. Doesn't matter if it's a traveling lawnmower salesman. I don't care who he is. Don't care where he come from. I don't care how good the deal is. A different gospel is still a different gospel. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I would not be a slave to Christ if I was trying to please men. This is why this becomes important. If you abandon the foundation, you do not have the truth, then what you will be doing is trying to figure out a way to get along with the world. You will figure out a way to try to soften the message. You will start to convince yourself of all manner of lunacy and ridiculousness in an effort to get people to leave you alone, in an effort to live at peace in this place. Where is your peace supposed to be found, Christian? It is supposed to be found in serving Christ. Your peace is not found with the world. Your peace is found with God. You are at enmity with the world because the world is still serving its master. Yeah. Almost every, well, every single prophet of God met their demise because their message didn't comport to the popularity of the people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a hallmark. Like if if something that you're saying, the majority of people are, are... okay with you might want to check what you're talking about because it might not be right i mean which one of your prof which one of the prophets did you not kill right they even killed john the baptist right they got around to killing jesus mm-hmm. i mean this is this is the way of the world they now. stone the prophets now. Yeah. now we have to tell you that story so we can tell you this story <sighs> you know there's a joke i have to make sure i, I have to make sure we use the pg version of this <laughs> because i've just started to because because i don't know what the answers are anymore i've started to conflate the two mm-hmm. so like there's always you know, if somebody asks you like hey, do you want cake for dessert you'd be like was the pope catholic of course i want cake for dessert mm. the other version of that is does a bear poop in the woods right and up to the point now where if cameron asks me something that's obvious i'll just say well does the pope poop in the woods uh. <laughs> and she just look at me goes, i don't know does he yeah. well because when we ask is the pope catholic I don't know, is he? Is the church Catholic? I don't know. Are they? This is this is fun. This is from um, this is a poll from EWTN. Now I I forgot to look up exactly what those call letters stand for. I looked up what they were once upon a time. It's like the Eternal Word Theology Network or something like yeah. that. I don't remember. That might I might have nailed it, but I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Um, they are the the Catholic. TV radio ministry. Yep. So if you've ever been scrolling around on the AM dials and you've found this like Catholic Answers show, that's sponsored basically by EWTN. It's all part of the same little ministry thing. For sure. So they turned into George Barna slash Lifeway and they did a poll, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Very interesting outcome. Yeah. A new poll of likely Catholic voters. Now, that's a fun phrasing already. So are these likely likely Catholics who are going to vote, or Catholics who are likely Catholics who are likely voting? I'm going to go with they assumed that they were Catholics who are likely to vote. Okay. Although based on the results of this, you can take yeah. that a couple of different ways. I think so. <laughs> so they found that 82 percent of Catholics support ending abortion outright or imposing various regulations to limit it. Okay, stop. That means that 18% of likely voting Catholics do not wish to impose regulations or limits to abortion. Right. 
that's according to their own teacher a teaching a mortal sin yeah. that will send you to hell do not pass purgatory do not collect uh, dispensation go directly to hell <laughs> <laughs> I know a little Catholicism do you even Catholic bro I mean ugh, that's astounding to me yeah. that one in five Catholics is a Nancy Pelosi Catholic that's yeah. unbelievable to me. I don't. I really don't think the rules matter to them. I mean, they can set up a rule, and all he, all the Pope has to do is speak ex cathedra, and and it's it's know, a new they, law. They, they can, don't even do that hardly ever. But yeah. here's my thing: what's the point of having the power, supposedly, mm-hmm. to condemn people to hell for all eternity, and not use it? <laughs> right. I'm just out of curiosity. I mean, just out of morbid curiosity. Like, if you gave me that power... Oh, well, you'd be smiting, wouldn't you? See? See? This is why I'm not Pope. I mean, uh, there's other (laughs) reasons, obviously, but... (laughs) But, I mean, come on. What's the point of having this authority if you don't use it? What this poll says is one in five Catholic voters should be excommunicated from the church. The excommunication shall continue until morale improves. Nice. I mean, isn't that what's supposed to happen? That fits. It's what it's supposed to happen, right? I mean, they're they're dogmas, and yes. when you go against the dogma of the church, then there are repercussions. Supposed um, they to be. can they can excommunicate, they can do all kinds of things. I mean, the the bishop in um in San Francisco supposedly tried he tried to bar Nancy Pelosi from having communion, mm-hmm. and then the Pope just bypassed him for cardinal, mm-hmm. skipped him, mm-hmm. like he didn't get the promotion. Somebody else got the promotion. Yeah, and then there was another story of a um there's a black English priest in England, which is where an English priest typically would be, <laughs> who said that England is not a racist country. They had to tell him to sit down and be quiet. It's like, uh. So, I mean, what's the point of having the authority if you're not actually going to do anything with it? Right. Establish an authority on one side or the other. That's, that's my contention. If you got the power, you claim to have this power, start wielding it until somebody stops you. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? If you mean if you're the heir of Peter, well, right? I, I think I think traditionally that the Roman Catholic Church has done things like that until somebody stopped them. Oh, I know, but, it, but and what I'm getting at is, but it seems different today. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What's the point of claiming the power and the authority if you don't actually use it? What good is it? Well, I what think, are you accomplishing? I think they are using a form of their authority to establish a new a new gospel, if you will. After after what we read, well. I think that's what they're doing. Uh, I think they're equivocating. I think they're uh, trying to fit in with whatever the, the majority they believe the majority are well, are saying. Makes sense. And you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that. And here's why. Okay. The result of that one, I think, is going to is built off of the results of the ones we're gonna get to in a minute. Okay. And the reason I say that is because that issue right there with the overturning of Roe v. Wade is the newest one on the batch. Yeah. Which means the longer it sits there. The longer, the the more the eighty two percent number I think will come down rather oh, yeah. than go up. Yeah. And I think I can make a case for that. Also, a majority of Catholics oppose transgender policy in regard to their children's sports teams and school bathrooms. Duh. Further, a majority of Catholics say they disapprove of President Joe Biden's job as president. Now, hmm. that's the nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I like numbers. Numbers yeah. make me happy with things like this. Uh-huh. So here's the question. According to likely Catholic voters, interpret that as you will. Mm. Biological boys using girls' school bathrooms 
locker rooms, and showers if they identify as female. 67% oppose. 23% favor. Hmm. 10% could not be reached for comment, apparently. A quarter of Catholics Mm -hmm. don't care if boys are showering and using the bathroom with girls as long as they claim to feel pretty that day? A quarter. Well, they're nominal. But that's... That's a name all... I mean, See, there's a lot of that. That's an issue that's been around a little bit longer. The bathrooms issue, the mm-hmm. locker rooms, that's been around a little bit longer. Yeah. You'll already notice there's, a, there's more of a slide there. Sure. And did you be ready for this one? I'm willing to bet the 10% that didn't know, no. They just didn't want to put down the answer that would be put in this poll. Yeah, uh, yeah, I assume that it'd probably be true. All right. Biological boys who identify as girls competing against biological girls on sports teams. Only 22% oppose, 67%. I'm sorry, only 22% favor, 67% oppose. Almost identical. Yeah. And again, same idea because I think think the 10% that didn't give an opinion are because they knew what the opinion was and they didn't want to say it out loud. Rock the boat, yeah. K-12 school administrators hiding a student's gender identity or a new name from that student's parents. 20% favor. 67% 67% opposed, 68% opposed. Once again, almost identical on this issue. That just drives me nuts. Which I'm... means there are, once again, one in five Catholics would tell you that if your kid goes to school and says that they're now, I'm not the body that God made me, and I want to be, you know, I know you gave birth to me and I you named me Sam, but I feel like Susan now. One in five Roman Catholics think it's a good idea for that administrator and teacher to not tell you this is happening and to support that student. Isn't that something? That's frightening. I mean, they're undermining the family, the authority um, of the family. I mean, I, I mean... Biological foundations, yeah. an understanding of the sovereignty of God, understanding, understanding of identity and submission to God, family. I mean, there's a lot that's being undermined in that. Mm-hmm. Um... Catholics were asked, do you believe that supporting transgender ideology conflicts with Catholic teaching? 28% said no. 16% said I don't know. Let me help you out. The answer to that would be yes. The answer to that would be yes, it does. Do you believe that gender is created by God? 63% said yes. 37% said no or didn't have an opinion. 12% were I don't know. I don't know if gender is created by God. That is a philosophy strictly grounded in the world. Strictly grounded in the world. And here's why I think that one in five on abortion is going to come down. Mm -hmm. Or is the one in five is going to go up, the 80% is going to come down. 65% of Catholics said they believe supporting abortion conflict conflicts with Catholic teaching. 23% 23% said it did not conflict. 10% said they didn't know. Again, almost identical to the transgender number, which means you know what that number really is. Mm-hmm. Well, they're just trying not to take a stance. They, oh, man, that's just now, something. This is, this is fun. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is the official thing you learn as you're going through confirmation, as you're becoming a member in good standing. This is These are summary statements that are supposed to encapsulate 2,000 years, give or take, of church teaching built upon the foundation laid down by Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what that's, that's not me saying what it is. That's what they claim that it is. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep, yep. 
According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, since the first century, the Church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say, abortion willed either as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. From its conception, the child has the right to life. Direct abortion, that is abortion willed or as an end or as a means, is a criminal practice, gravely contrary to the moral law. The church imposes the canonical penalty of excommunication for this crime against human life. Almost a third of Catholics went, eh, I disagree. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, to be honest with you, because I still have family as a, that are staunch Catholics, they don't. I don't think they study their catechism. They just go off well, of what is told to them, and they, and, and they, they put in high regards tradition over the actual words of God. And this is why this becomes so important. <clears throat> okay, we're gonna get in. We're, we're gonna try not to get lost in the weeds here. Okay. It's easy to do with this subject. It but. is, and so we are. We're we're making a declaration. We're not gonna go down the road here. If you want to argue the statements that are being made. You are free to write, email, send Carrier Pigeon, mm. and we'll be happy to deal with it then. Yeah. And if it's that big a deal, we'll do another episode and go through some of this. But the answers to whatever question you're going to yell at us is probably out there in the Internet somewhere, and you can find it from a Protestant perspective. So, mm -hmm. okay. The reason why the Catholic-Protestant divide is so important is because it is a divide centered upon soteriology— and bibliology that tentacles out into Christology, pneumatology, theology proper, and understanding of God. And here's why this matters. Okay. Because the Roman Catholic Church has a different gospel, I'm not trying to argue this point. It's a different gospel. If you want to yell at me, send your carrier pigeons. It'll be okay. <laughs> yep. All right. We hold to a different understanding of ecclesiology, a different understanding of soteriology. Because of that, because of the corruption going all the way back to early Middle Ages, so, so, so stipulated, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll give the, because that's really the birth of the Roman Catholic Church is the early Middle Ages, 5600 A.D., give or take. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you just... I think you just dropped a bomb on a lot of people. They think it goes all the way back well, to the Well, it does. I noticed, I noticed the qualification. All right. yeah. You know what? I like that you brought it up because I totally agree with you. This is a slight weed that we will dig into. Okay? All right, all right. There is a difference between an understanding... Ooh, as I kicked the table again. There is a difference between an understanding of the Catholic Church, small c, which is the universal church, and the Roman Catholic Church, big C, right. which would be the thing in Rome with the Pope and the keys and the funny hat, okay? When we talk church history, mm -hmm. you will see this throughout books and news programs and TV shows and everything. They'll talk about the Pope in Rome in the 3rd century. He wasn't a Pope. He was a bishop. Mm -hmm. He was a regular old bishop of a city. There was a patriarchal Pope, uh, you know, air quotes in Rome. Mm -hmm. There was a patriarchal Pope in Constantinople. There was one in Antioch. There was one in Alexandria. You had major pillars of the church, the main cities of the church. Going back, I think you can argue, into the 2nd century AD. Mm -hmm. These major cities started to be seen as important hubs of theology and learning and sending out and teaching in the whole nine yards. It was a big deal to be the main bishop in Constantinople as opposed to Berea, 
Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes. So, and all the way I think you can argue into the 5th century, you would have, if you had asked most Christians who the most important bishop in the empire was, they would have told you Constantinople, ahead of Rome. Mm-hmm. And that would have probably been true in the eastern part of the Roman Empire up until today. Mm-hmm. And even in the western end of the Roman Empire, you would see arguments about that as as early as still as late as the third as as the fourth as the fourth century, okay. fourth fifth century. Mm-hmm. So, did you start to see a hierarchical ecclesiastical structure in the third and fourth century in the church? Yes. Does that mean it was Roman Catholic in nature? No, you do not really begin to see the structure of the, air quotes, Roman Catholic Church until, I think, the 5th century, when you start to see the fall of Rome as an empire, you start to see the rise of different tribal groups, so the Franks are taking over in what was traditionally known as Gaul, you started to see Lombards in uh, northern Italy and southern Germany, and you started to see these various Germanic tribes take dominion in these areas. You then saw the, the Bishop of Rome begin to exert both religious and secular power because he was a landholding noble in the area. And then that, that you begin to see in the 5th century. And you really begin to see that solidified and established in the 6th century, the 500s. That becomes the birth of the Roman Catholic Church, where you can make legitimate claims that, okay, you can now start to understand this bishop in Rome as Pope. Right. Okay? All right. So... Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. The history is fantastic. It helps you understand this, where this things come from. This is something we have from. to deal with. Yep. From that point, because you have theological doctrine being driven by a secular ruling prince at the same time, it's a dual office, mm-hmm. and it's going to maintain its dual office status for the better part of a thousand years. Because you have that, you begin to see a corruption. You begin to see a rejection of salvation by grace through faith. You begin to see the the growth of the sacramental system. And then when you get into the Middle Ages, into what we would call the High Middle Ages, so 900, 1,000, 1,100, those, those centuries, you start to see the need for finances and income. So you begin to see the selling of things mm-hmm. that are church-related, which is a further corruption. So the reform movement that flourishes in the 16th century in the Reformation is really a continuous movement going all the way back, I would argue, to the first century. Because you have, going back to, um, you have, oh shoot, fire, I start getting all my names crossed. You have before Luther, you have Hus, you have uh, Tyndale out of England, you have Wycliffe in his mm-hmm. Lollards, you have the Waldensians, you have all of these different groups going all the way back into the early Middle Ages saying, no, the theology you're espousing is a corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, even before, uh, you, want, you want fun? You want a fun Hellfire and Brimstone guy? Go look up Savonarola. 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 Oh, dude, he, um, he basically tries to set himself up as an anti-pope at one point. Takes power in a city. I think it's Florence. Don't quote me on that. It might be. I don't think it was Naples. I think it was Florence. I can't even remember hearing about him. Um, it doesn't end well. Oh, Savonarola's a dude. He's just like the Pope is evil, and everybody who follows the Pope is going to hell. He's one of those dudes. Savonarola. He's um, okay. I want to say 15th century. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
Jan Hus is my favorite because in his Bethlehem Chapel, he had two uh, massive murals painted on the church mm-hmm. and the inside. One in the front, one in the back. I never remember which one's which. But on the one, there is Jesus seated upon the donkey riding into Jerusalem. Okay. That was on one end of the church. And on the other end of the church was the Pope in his armor on white horseback with a sword in his army marching into Rome on the other mural. As they compare and contrast on who you're supposed to be following and what <laughs> Christ-likeness actually looks like. That was Jan Hus. <coughs> I cannot remember Savannah Rolla's first name. If you say it, I'll know it. But So all of that to say, because of that corruption, because of that different gospel uh, arising in history, uh, Giro, Girolomo. Yeah, G- I, see, I, I thought of it right before I read it. Yeah, Girolomo Savannah Rolla. Yeah, look up him. He's a fun dude. Um, I'll end up doing a martyrs episode on him eventually. This is awesome. I've never. I don't remember ever hearing, oh, hearing about him. Oh yeah, he is. He's straight up hellfire and brimstone from 15th century Italy. Uh, I'm gonna be reading about that. Yeah. So you you basically imagine instead of a Southern Baptist going, y'all are gonna be condemned to hell. It's a you're gonna be going to hell. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, y'all are burning. <laughs> so don't ask me where any of that just came from. Um, because it is a different gospel, you have the corruption of thinking over time. So this goes to your point. We went all the way around because of that weed to get back to this point. Because the Roman Catholic Church mm-hmm. has, had, before the Reformation, had a millennia of corruption and altering of the gospel, you have a foundation that is laid of people following it. And that continues. It's solidified in Trent. It's codified in Vatican I and in Vatican II and in many ways. Because of that, what you have is a group of people following this who are trying to figure out how do I live in the world without having a firm foundation in Christ? How do I get along and have peace in this place without actually having peace with God first? And that's how you get poll numbers like that. Now, in fairness, I think you would see similar numbers if you did this in evangelical churches. Yeah, for and sure. The, and the reason I think you would see similar numbers is because evangelical churches, with their seeker-sensitive movements and the watering down of theology, have the exact same problem the Roman Catholic Church has. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we might even be more shocked at the numbers than, than we are with the Catholics. <laughs> but one of the things that history, I mean, they people did not have access to a Bible like we do today. And Agreed. so And so they they were not teaching and preaching the Word of God. They were teaching what they wanted. <laughs> Just pinched my arm on the table. I'm having a day. I didn't smack at that time, but I pinched my arm between my chair and the table. Talk about fun. Um, This is why I've said for years, I think I've said it on this podcast before, I think there are a lot of Catholics who are going to make it, a lot of Roman Catholics who are going to make it, because they're not good Roman Catholics. Yeah. They're not actually following the way of salvation as laid down by the catechism, but they're also not these Roman Catholics, the 20 to 25% or the 20 to 35%, I would argue. They're that 60% who are going, no, that's wrong because that's contrary to what Christ taught us. Right. That's as opposed to the ones who say, no, that's wrong. That's contrary to what the priest or the Pope taught us. And I think that's the danger of the Roman Catholic Church, which is why I said, if, if you, if you've come to the realization that you know, you're in a bad system, get out. But I know there are actually good Bible-believing people still in, a, in the Catholic Church simply because they think it's important to be there. I disagree it's with tradition. them. tradition. I, I disagree with them, but I get the argument. The point that I think is, is very important here, because we're not talking to a bunch of Roman Catholics. We're talking to more than likely a bunch of Bible-believing Christians. This is why your foundations are so important. Because if you get off in any little area of your life, over time 
that's where your thinking begins to degrade. Mm-hmm. And it may take a few hundred years in the case of a Roman Catholic Church because it's an institution. It's hard to turn one way or the other. In your life, it's a lot easier when you start to surrender this little area to the world to then surrender that little area to the world. And next thing you know, you've done this because you have not rested on the completed work of Christ and you are trying to compromise and get along. And what ends up happening is so you compromised a little bit on the understanding of trans ideology. Well, that means you're going to eventually start compromising on the issue of what happens when the trans ideology makes its way into your school system or it makes, your, makes its way into your workplace or it makes its way into your church. All these things are very pervasive, and I, I see the only antidote to this is a good understanding of the Word of God. And, 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 and I think... You know, I mean, I use multiple translations to kind of get a feel for things, but my main translation is a word for word. If we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary, he is to be anathema. That matters because, to your point, what's the cure? What's the corrective? Well, the corrective is to make sure that I'm grounded upon Christ. Because if you are not, what you are discovering is this is the sin area that you are supposed to be warring against. Now, Christian going to say something slightly controversial, okay? All right. I do not expect you to be perfect. That's not the controversial part. Right. Okay. But you should be having some victory over sin in your life if you are in Christ. I didn't say you're winning every battle. Oh, yeah. I didn't say you didn't get a bloody nose in the process of the fight. But you should be having some victory. If you're not... Check how you're fighting. Check the way that you're fighting. Check what the source of your power is. Because there's a really good possibility that you are pretending. Okay? Don't be mad at me. I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm not saying you're going to knock everybody out like it's Mike Tyson circa 1986. But you should be having some victory somewhere. Your thinking should be changing over time. If it is not, and that is bothering you, well, then that's a sin area that the Holy Spirit is like, hey, 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 start killing this and go to war, okay? Just pointing that out. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure, get good Christian friends, get a good Christian church, settle in and start the long trudging battle against sin. Yeah, I think you, you, you majored in on something really important is finding a good church, somebody, someplace where you get the word of God. Yeah, if you're not, get out. Right. I've said on Sunday morning, if you're getting heresy from a pulpit, what should you do? Find something heavy and throw it. Throw right? it and then run screaming from the room. Right. If you're getting a pastor that's not teaching the Bible, same rules apply. Because, again, what does it look like when at the institutional level people are following along and they're following something that's not consistently giving them the truth? It starts looking like a really mixed bag of results. Right. Now, again, evangelical churches, I would say the same thing because I would argue most evangelical churches are not preaching the Bible. They're not exegeting scripture and going through this time after time, expounding on the word of God, explaining it rightly. They're not doing that work. I Therefore, think I think you would see same, the same results, right. which means, again, Christian, that's a pattern that when you look at it, you should be able to see, all right, as we turn away from scripture, as we are not grounded rightly on the gospel preached by the apostles, explained in Christ, grounded in God's word, going all the way back, all the way back to the beginning, as we are not grounded there, Everything begins to degrade. Mm. I think we saw a good example of that in our last podcast, though. Mm. I mean, I mean, we've been majoring on some pretty tough uh. topics here, but uh, I think you're, you, you see real good evidence of what you just said. 
um, in the world today when, when you have a major denomination propping up somebody who is purporting to be in transition. Yeah. Because, again, this becomes the breakdown. Mm-hmm. People look at that and go, I don't see what the problem is. Well, of course you don't see what the problem is. You have been so far gone because you didn't, re- you didn't regard it at the beginning. This is, again, why Paul's like, I'm amazed. How could you know the truth and then walk away? And the answer is you couldn't, which is why Paul's writing the letter. Because there's still hope for these poor Christians. Mm-hmm. There's still hope for this church. Cast out the evil. That's why he's going to war with the Corinthians like he's going to do. He's like, no, 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 no. For the true believers among you, mm-hmm. something can be done. There's got to be corrective. You just need to be shaken one good time. Mm-hmm. Christian, you have to do that work in your world. Yeah. This is why being grounded in Scripture, having Christian friends, having a good church is so important. Mm-hmm. It actually helps center you in the right place. Because otherwise, <laughs> you start looking around and going, a third of these people are looking at the major sin issue of the world today and saying, eh, it's all right. I don't mind. I don't see what the big deal is. A third? 40% almost of Catholics are looking at this saying, no, 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 that doesn't conflict with scriptural teaching. I mean, only 56% of Catholics said transgender ideology conflicts with church teaching, which means 45% are going, eh, or no, no, there's no conflict there. That's yeah. that's 45% that don't know Catholic teaching. Right. That's because you have a group of people who like the tradition or they like the songs or they like the architecture. I don't know what they like, but they're there, Christian. This is the pull of the world. It's not just that the calls are coming from outside the house. What have we mm-hmm. told you before? The calls are coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. What's the cure? Grounded in the word, knowing the truth, and then being free in that peace because of the truth. Yes. All right. All right. So what have we learned here today, children? That many Catholics aren't. <laughs> right. Scriptural authority is vital to Christian living. Don't have the right foundation. Lord knows where you're going. You must be very, very careful in this world. There's no institution that is safe if it is not grounded rightly upon Christ and his word. So, pay attention. Be innocent as doves and wise as serpents. And until we read again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.